Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales, where you believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I am also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two, where we are talking to Ty Carlson about his novels. After today, you will have heard about writing in middle school and developing his writing as he got older, researching the querying process, strategizing with other authors to get your pitch out there, listening to and implementing the advice of others, learning how to promote your books on social media, and his favorite advice to write even if you don't feel like it. The Shadowless The Everstorm is merciless. The people who live beneath it are even worse. The earth has become a wasteland as a result of humanity's mistreatment. The sky has been dark for as long as anyone can remember, covered in an infinite rolling mass called the Everstorm. There are no trees. There is no hope. Unless, of course, you're one of the privileged who live in the protected cities beneath the domes. In these cities, there are trees. Parks full of vibrant grass and even waterfalls, all thanks to the solar energy harvested by those who have no choice but to brave the Everstorm. Shipley Bowden is a lowlife, working his way into the good graces of the citizens, hoping one day to be allowed a living space beneath the protective dome. But when he stumbles upon an orphaned girl in the ruins of the past, he decides to deliver her to the nearest settlement and be done with it. When Shipley runs afoul of violent marauders who call themselves the Red Kings, he must draw upon all the knowledge he's gained. Only now, he has a little girl to think about. So what are, you said you have, uh, there's a book coming out in January. Yes, and then you're of Gods submitting another series in december yes um and that's the first the first book is going to be submitted it's almost done right now i'm starting um i actually i literally have like one scene to write and it's the it's the scene that bridges the the climax with the end and so i'm just like my goal was to do that today actually um it's called eden vertex and um it's kind of space opera sci-fi uh and it's the book one of the dominus trilogy I actually started this um, as an idea from a friend who was like, hey, I have an idea for a book and I don't write. Would you want to write the story? And I was like, I've had other people say the same thing, but I right. happened to be between um, between books at the time. And so I had a little bit of time and I was like, yeah, let's talk about it. So we talked about it for a while and I was like, this could be really fun to write. Um, and so just from his idea, we've built this this story of what we what we want um kind of our characters to accomplish and the the theme and overall kind of tone it's been really really exciting and i'm um i'm a big fan of this one it's it's fun it's fun to write i kind of did the opposite thing i at one point in the writing thought it would be really cool to do this like really big and i still think it'd be really cool this like really big basically multi-series universe of Uh mythologies so like each series 
each series would follow a different mythology, but then they would have to intertie and like come help each other for like different books. Yeah. So I had this idea and I was like, man, that's with the narrating on top of my day job and like all this. I'm like, I don't know when I'll have time to read through all of the material, let alone yeah. write that many books. I mean, I'd be talking like probably th close to 30 books for the whole, yeah. like everything. And so I'm telling this idea to the same beta reader that tore up my book. And she has a background and went to college and studied bunches of mythologies and all of this what? stuff. And then she was like, <laughs> she starts voice messaging me on Discord and is like, what have you done to me? You have taken <laughs> over my brain. And I'm like, you can have it because I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it. So <laughs> I'm oh, like, that's amazing. So I'm like, mine is fairy tale retellings, which are much shorter yeah. to read through and, and do. So I'm like, hey, if you if it is taken over your brain, maybe my whole job for that series was to pass it to someone that can do it. Yeah. Yeah. There so, you go. It's, you know, sometimes we write the ideas ourselves and sometimes it's like, yeah. this isn't quite in my wheelhouse. Maybe I should pass it off to someone that yep. can do it justice. Um, that's so cool. So that's, I don't, she hasn't started. She's been sick for several weeks oh, now. No. So, but she's like, what have you done to me? And I'm like, I think I made you a writer. I think that's what I did. <laughs> There's one in all of us way deep down sometimes, but it's there. So are you a plotter or a pantser? Oh, pantser, 100%. No, no, I won't say 100%. I have learned that if I want to, I, I'm, I am a pantser, but for like the, the um, Eden Vertex, this book that I'm writing with my friend, because he's wanted certain things to happen within the story, I've had to plan out what needs to happen first. Mm -hmm. um, but the bench, I just wrote, I, I wrote like chapter 18 and then chapter six and chapter one and chapter 22. And like, they were all jumbled up and then I just slotted them where they needed to go. Um, the, the favorite, I did the same thing, although it was more linear, the shadow list was purely linear, but I didn't plan it. I didn't plan it at all. I kind of had in my head what I wanted to happen, mm -hmm. but I wrote, chapter one and then chapter two and then chapter three and chapter four and on and on. Um, with Eden Vertex, I wrote the ending first because I knew where I wanted it to end up um, as kind of the, the like departing message uh -huh. for the reader. Um, and then, and then he and I went through and planned out, okay, in order for, for us to get there, what has to happen before that? Okay. Uh -huh. What has to happen for that to happen? And we worked our way back to the beginning because it's kind of a, um, uh, have you read uh, The Expanse, like mm -hmm. Leviathan Wakes? No. Um, there's a lot of books like this, and that's just the one that kind of came to mind. But it's where where there are these breadcrumbs that lead to a big reveal. Um, mm -hmm. And so we had to we had to put the reveal first. Um, that's a, in our the head. silent silent patient is like that. Okay, yeah. So we worked our way back to where where the character starts, and then went, um, and then I would write and and flesh all of it out kind of as we as we developed the, the story and what characters we wanted in and everything but um yeah that's been it's been fun to write this one it's been a little bit more difficult but uh because it's not doesn't come natural to me to plan uh -huh. um i'm i'm much more in the mind of uh, or in the camp that says uh the story's the story's already been written you're just kind of the vessel for it and it'll right. tell you where it wants it to go um, and so usually that's kind of where I, where I take it, but, and then, and there's been some allowance for that, even with having an outline, um, for Eden Vertex, but for the most part, it had to have step one, step two, step three, step four, uh -huh. so that step 28 made sense. Right. So, Pantser with, 
with some a little <laughs> bit of plotting in there. Yeah, I'm like, I think I'm somewhere in the middle because like book one or book one, the, the first book that I started, it it's totally pantsed. Like I just wrote yeah. and did my thing. But this one, along with the I want to do a fairy tale retelling, um, I was like, ooh, it would be really cool if I used Christmas songs as like the chapters. And so I spent probably two weeks listening to Pentatonic's entire Christmas yeah. catalog oh, and, awesome. and figuring out like what songs could work in a fantasy romance fairy tale retelling book. And yeah. like, oh, so there's a song called um well, like deck the halls, all of us know. So I'm like, oh, she could be decorating the house during that song. Then there's um, one called White Winter Hymnal that's about like <laughs> they have scarves wrapped around their necks so their heads don't fall in the snow. And I was like, oh, that'd nice. be a really good battle scene. And so like just yes. going through going through these chapters. So all of my chapter names are these different songs. And then the chapter has something to do with with the song itself. Um but then I kind of shot myself in the foot because then everybody was like, well, now you got to keep it up for the rest of the series. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, what band? So at one point I was like, hey, team of arc readers, what bands are good for the, the there will be a novella in between each set of novels. And I'm like, I need like villain songs because the novellas are from the villains perspective. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're like giving me all these like metal and rock bands. And I'm like, it's perfect. That is awesome. Perfect. <laughs> yes, so now, that's awesome. Now I actually, about 15 minutes before we got on here, finished my editor's edits for my book. So I was super excited, but now I have to go through. She gave me like two pages of, hey, you may want to search this word and replace it a few times. Yeah. So oh, I have yes. to do that when we get off. But um, I finished all What's the red line edits. What's your word that you have to, that you just overuse? Um, apparently laughs. I, I only use okay. laughs. I don't use any any alternatives. It's all laughs. No giggles or chuckles or anything like that. <laughs> No chortles um, or guffaws. Says, of course, as every author I'm sure overuses that one. Yeah. Um, I think there was about five words. I don't remember what the other ones are. Um, there was also, which this I did while I was going through her redline edit. She's like, she cries too much. So it's not as impactful because mm -hmm. she's crying too much. <laughs> and then yes. um, I didn't describe my characters enough. It was like, oh, you described him at the oh, beginning. Yep. And then at the end, but I didn't remember that he has scars all over his face, the beast. Right. Um, she's, I don't remember that he had scars all over his face till the end when you mentioned the scars again. <laughs> so I did that while I was doing the redlined edits. <laughs> yes. Mine is just, they just do this or he just looked or whatever. As far just. as that that goes, that was my word like that one. Oh, yeah. There you go. That, yeah. Which I uh, replaced that during beta edits. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that that was my word, but I did during beta edits. I I realized because I send it to beta readers, and then about a week into beta readers having it, I was like, maybe I should be like beta reading my own book essentially. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing that about a weekend. That week off was very nice though, because I was able to come in with more of a discerning eye, and I was like, Yep. Why am I using that so much? <laughs> yes, I I do the, the exact same thing. I'll take I'll finish a book like i'll finish eden burke text and i'll let it sit for probably a week or two uh -huh. um and then start then like just jump in and start editing and it's almost immediately i'm like oh what is this what <laughs> why am i saying that what this isn't even a sentence why did i why did i say that you know so it's good it's good to let it rest yeah so i 
started writing this book in February and I finished writing it in August. So, and I wanted to release it by this Christmas instead of having to wait a year. So I didn't have time to let it rest before I did the massive, like add 10,000 words edits for 20. (laughs) I don't remember. I have it written down somewhere what the word counts were at each stage. (laughs) But I was glad to get that time where I was able to go in and do my own, like, Well, and then I also had a chance to see what kind of feedback the beta readers were leaving. Like, hey, you don't need the end of this sentence because it doesn't need to be there. Or you don't need to say say she was in the attic 15,000 times because, like, we know she's up in the attic with the decorations already. You already said it. So Yeah, yeah. Things, things like that. So I was able to go in and do the same type edits myself with more of a self-deprecating eye. <laughs> so, I'm so terrible at this. I hate myself. <laughs> why did I say this? She nods her head. Of course she nods her head. What else would she nod? <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. I get those. I have those too. A lot of times. It's like he said with his mouth or something like that. It's like, why, why am I? Why are you so weird? So delete, 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 delete. Yeah. It's like as, as if we needed more focus on what. Like. <laughs> I know. I'm already an outcast. Why am I outcasting myself? Oh, what a wreck. Well, and that's the beta reader that gave me the most. That was a lot of her stuff was what else would it nod with? What else would she do? <laughs> like, duh. And I would just be laughing yeah. as I'm reading the the feedback. I'd be just be laughing. And I'm like, no, it, it makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like what? You know, no, of course, I know that he nods with his head. I just wanted to make sure you knew that he was. With his head. <laughs> oh, the things that we do to ourselves. <laughs> it is not an easy road. Oh, man. So you, since you had a publisher, did you go through like beta readers, arc readers, things like that? Um, I, uh, a little bit. I had um, two people read the bench even after I had signed. Um, and before I submitted the full edits to my editor, I had two people read it. Um, and the favorite I had... Um, one of those same people read it and just give me feedback. Uh, the, I mean, the, the thing is, is that my editor is, it, her job is to edit it. So I knew uh-huh. that I didn't have to do a lot, but I also needed, I would read it again. I I'd try and do three rounds of edits. Um, and that's mostly because by the time I, it gets to my editor, I don't her, want her wasting time with these things that I could have fixed or that I obviously, obviously would have seen, you know? Uh-huh. So I try, I do try and do, um, not, not full beta reading or like, um, major developmental edits prior to, to delivering them to my editor, but I do a couple, um, here and there. I had, um, uh, a buddy at work read the shadow list before I sent it off, um, mostly because he was excited about reading it. And so I was like, oh, well, I've actually got a, I've got a pre-edited copy you can have. And he was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. So he did and he gave me some feedback on it, but for the most part, my editor, Laura does that and she's amazing. And my alpha was kind of, my alpha was my best friend. And I was like, I just need you to read this as I'm writing it and tell me if it sounds like a book. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that was the biggest thing. I was just like, I don't want to spend all this time and, and all of this if it doesn't. And I sent like the first two chapters, I think, to multiple people as a like, is this writing good or should I just stick to narrating? <laughs> like, right. I'm like, yeah. if, if you tell idea. me it's garbage, that's fine. I just won't waste my time doing it anymore. <laughs> so, and they were, I mean, everybody was like, absolutely continue this book. I need to know what that's happens. Awesome. <laughs> so, yes. um, and that has been, 
so far every round of of people so far beta beta readers same thing they were like oh my gosh one apologized for waiting so long to start it because she liked it so much <laughs> and i'm like hilarious. listen i'm just glad you liked it <laughs> yeah that's awesome and I'm like a week. Um, my my book goes to Arc readers in a little over a week. So I'm like, I just finished edits today. I need to get <laughs> it formatted now. Yes. So Woo. I'm like, we are that's down to the wire. Week. Down to the wire. <laughs> wouldn't have it. I don't know about you, but that's usually whenever I work the best. It's like, okay, I, I have I have a very limited amount of time, and I have to get it done. And so then then I do get it done. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, I've got time. And then well, I end up putting myself in a position to not have time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and unlike you, I decided from the beginning I wanted to self-publish. So okay. I have, I have, I didn't want to go through months of of rejections and all of that. I'm like, I could self-publish now and be making money now. And then if someone wants to pick it up later, that's fine. Sure. Um, but I'm like, for now, I would rather just get it out there into the world. So I knew I was going to go through alpha readers and beta readers and arc readers yeah. and an editor. And like, I knew, like, I'm going to need to do all of all of the things myself. <laughs> so yeah. um, and everything, it's like um, I made my own cover. But I was like, if I couldn't make it look like and I, I spent days looking through like trad pub covers of series like what makes it look like a series um what is it that i like about them that makes it look like oh these all go together like what are those things so that i can replicate it for mine um not using the same font or anything like that but just like sure why do these look like a series that go together because they do they look like a series that go together i totally get it (laughs) What are those things? So, yeah, you pick up a Sarah J. Mass book from the Throne of Glass or whatever it is, Court of Thorns and Roses, and you know that it's even if it's not Court of Thorns and Roses, whatever, you know that it is in that series just because it's that same aesthetic of of mm-hmm. just a couple of colors and there's whatever other designs on it. You you kind of want it to I wanted the same thing for my books is like I want them to know that these are all part of the same series. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? So actually, my editor um, or my publisher is re- redoing the cover for the bench. Right now, it's got like a very obvious man and woman, um, and they're facing kind of the uh, on the cover. Um, and then the, sh- the favorite, the shadowless and Convergence all have silhouettes. And so they're changing the bench to be silhouettes instead of actual people, which I mm-hmm. think is great. Because now yeah. it's like, oh, okay, these are all the same kind of right. series. Well, that's I spent because I obviously own a lot of books. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. uh, I actually did a TikTok where I pulled a couple series off my shelf to like, you know, kind of show people like, here's what I'm talking about. And so I pulled uh-huh. like the Twisted Love series by Anna Huang. Um, I pulled, um, I don't know, I pulled a couple other series to just like show like this one has similar color scheme or muted colors or whatever with like that pop of color or like the font is all the same or I think pretty much every series, it's the same font on yeah. the books. Um, that's at least all the ones that I looked at. That's They were all same font style. Um, but yeah, and so I went into the cover designing process with a, if I can't make it look like a professional cover, I will hire a professional cover yeah. designer. So, yep. and like my husband, Alex, is working on his um, book he knows that neither one of us are going to be able to make the cover that he has in his brain so he knows we're going to have to pay someone to make what the vision in his head yeah happen. 
So it's hard knowing like I, I did that. I had that with the bench and the favorite. I, I knew what I wanted it to look like. And then I talked to my publisher about it. And they were like, that's fine. But I don't think for your genre, that's going to work very well. And here's what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, no, I mean, that's, that's better. I can do that. But when I'm famous and I'm able to do whatever I want because I'm a prolific <laughs> writer and I've got a million of dollars, then I'll just make whatever cover I want. But right, you will you will lead now, the like, way for everybody else at that point. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> covers are weird. Covers are they're it, essentially they tell the story to the reader and and immediately they're like, is this interesting or not? And if it's not something that is intriguing enough, then you've lost a potential reader, you know. And so right. It's weird how much weight, at least for me, I put on myself for making sure that the, the cover looks cool or good. When I was a couple weeks ago, we went to Half Price Books, which is like a used bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like looking, I'm literally judging the books by their spines because I don't have time to pull every single book out. I'm reading right. the, the title and judging it by the spine of the book. If the you know spine looks good and the title looks good and i'm like note to self make sure that your spine doesn't look like crap like <laughs> yeah yeah it's so that's so funny <laughs> i'm just There's like so much pressure <laughs> like make your the little you know one inch of spine if that <laughs> look good <laughs> yeah be amazing but i'm like you know if if my book were to ever end up at you know a store one day you would want someone to be like oh what's that about just from yeah. the, the spine <laughs> yep yeah it's gotta it's gotta get the eye yeah so the good thing with fairy tales is you can do all of them have that like memorable item in them mm-hmm. that like you could put that on your cover so like beauty and the beast anyone's gonna know that off of like a rose or something right. like that um you look at something like um, if you were to do like Sleeping Beauty, you could have like the spinning wheel on the cover and people yep. are going to know like that's what that is. Um, so I tried to pick. Um, I have my entire series covers designed already, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but awesome. I tried to do that for for each of them to make sure. And then like all of the novels are from the like the first book is The Forgotten Beast. So the beast is the one that we're focused on where the novellas are focused on the villains. And so those, it's like an item from the world that the villains are from instead of uh-huh. the villains themselves. Um, oh, cool. Kind of did that to myself by the first one being two people from a fairy tale <laughs> instead of just one. Nice, nice. <laughs> but we had to run with it so that they were cohesive. <laughs> yes. So what is the best piece of advice you've gotten? And what is the worst piece of advice you've gotten? Oh, man. Okay. Probably the best piece of advice is um, to write no matter what you feel like doing. Or like if you don't feel like writing to write, to still write. Because even if it's bad, you'll know that. And and a lot of times, even in my own, own experience, I haven't been in the mood to write, but I've needed to. And so whenever I've, I've started writing, it kind of jump started me to get into that creative process. And it's been some of my best writing is, mm-hmm. is has come from those times whenever I haven't really wanted to, um, but I've needed to. So write even when you don't feel like it. And the worst advice, mm, um, the worst advice is, is to cut out um, and I don't even remember what they're technically called. Um, cut out other ways to describe the way people are talking. Um, I don't remember what the person said. 
Oh, the um, one that was like, only you says. <laughs> yeah, said. yeah. Like there was a TikTok video about it. Yeah. I I'm, I had gotten that advice from someone when I was writing my first book. Um, they were like, you don't need that, that extra stuff. People will get it. Um, I hate that. I, I like, just People are going to get annoyed. Is what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, because we don't just say things. I mean, we don't just say things. We say things with a lot of intent behind them. And so um, I I think that's just absolute rubbish to, to, to just say things so-and-so said, so-and-so said, so-and-so said. Um, it's really important, I think, to the reader to, to break it up by saying they they um, said with a smile even is better than just they said. Um, so so putting those things in there, I think is, is, I don't know, if you're trying to be a good writer, you've got to mix it up, you know? Well, and even, you don't even have to say like, he said, she said, he whispered, she whispered, blah, blah, blah. If you say right. something like, he leaned in close to her ear, more than yeah. likely, if someone leans in close to your ear, they're going to be whispering. If they're not whispering, you need to say he yelled it. Because right. like, <laughs> yep. you would, the emotion of leaning in close to someone's ear, you're going to think they're talking quieter, <laughs> not yeah. louder. Yeah. There's a lot of implications that you can do with, uh, with all of that. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I think taking even great advice, taking it with a grain of salt, because there's going to be some times when it doesn't apply. Like I didn't want to write um, a, a couple of days ago. And had I written, I wouldn't have had time for the other things that I needed to do. Um, and, and my brain just wasn't in the, in the right spot. So also sometimes the, the good advice doesn't always fit, doesn't always apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and just remembering that like all advice taken with a grain of salt, maybe I should say said more, and not the other stuff as much, but you know, there's a balance, a middle ground for everything. I've also seen several TikToks where they say that they just skim over the whatever dialogue tag at the end, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there was some true. things. Um, I, I came across a TikTok one day that was like, you know, if you describe you know, say they walked out into the garden, right? And you start describing the roses and the pansies and the whatever other flowers and trees and all these things. They're like, I'm going to picture my own garden in my head. Like, I'm I'm probably not going to sit there and actually picture every single thing that you've written in there. Right. So right. saying, you know, she walked into a garden of roses is probably sufficient unless yeah. you just want to add all the extra words. Yes, yeah. so, no, you're exactly right. Kind of tried to keep that in mind, but also like need words in book. So, <laughs> so it's like at one point I was describing she. So my world, part of it takes place in our world and part of it's in a fantasy world. And so she's in the fantasy world for the first time, wakes up in the world is like, what is going on? And she needs to take a drink of water. And so I'm like describing the water in the river. And the point was that it was cold. And I said something about melting snow temperatures. (laughs) And someone's like, one of the beta readers was like, what are melting snow temperatures? <laughs> like, what a weird way to phrase cold water. <laughs> but it added like five words, okay? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Leave us alone. We got word count to meet. I get it. Anyway, sometimes I've had a couple instances where same. It was like I would do better not to write right now. My head is just not in the right space. Yeah. Um. But really, I think what helped me the most get into the I want to write every day, um, I switched from using Google Docs to Scrivener and you can set like yeah. word 
goals. And so I was like, all right, we need to have the book done by this date so that it can be through all the editing processes by Christmas. And so it told me, you need to write this many words a day. And it adjusted for if I missed a day or whatever. Yeah. And so that kind of made it into a game for me, which (laughs) has always helped me with everything. Like, gamify it and then it'll, yes. it'll seem more fun <laughs> so, yeah scrivener's good i used to have scrivener watching I just the little do line oh okay. yeah yeah you gotta like how how am i doing is it a steady yeah. climb or is it like oh no i'm kind of going yeah. downhill. <laughs> hopefully hopefully not going downhill <laughs> i'm just editing as i go just removing all of my words <laughs> i remember um saying something too about like as far as word count and going down goes something about like make sure you don't start your book off with like really long chapters and then just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller as you go yeah it's like tried to keep that in mind too while while writing now my last two chapters are super short but it's like closing the book out (laughs) so they didn't need to be long um but that I, i remember was another piece of advice that has to do with like word counts and all of that so why did you switch go ahead um no, well, I was just gonna say I have a I have a chapter that is like uh, maybe twenty words long because of the the character that's what they would say, and so it's like okay, well, this is good enough then. <laughs> chapter thirty four, blah blah blah. Chapter thirty five, here we go. So I was uh, it's like their eyes were watching God. I don't know if you've ever or not. Their eyes were watching God. Uh, I don't remember. There's another book. It's five. It's the chapter's five words long. And I was like, okay, so so people do this still. It's a weird thing. Um, so I switched from, I, I've almost always written in Word, Microsoft Word. Mm-hmm. I wrote in Scrivener for a little bit, um, but it was in a very chaotic time in my life. And I was like, I don't have time to learn how Scrivener works. And I know how Word works. So I'm just going to work in Word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I love working in Word. I don't know, some people absolutely hate it. I, I just am so used to it. I know exactly what I need to accomplish in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Scrivener is probably better if I wanted to, to migrate over there. I, I think that probably would be a better, um, option, but I like word because I know exactly where everything is. It doesn't change like mm-hmm. from one version to the last, next. You know, to, yeah. Like 10 yeah. years. <laughs> so like, I know what I'm, what I'm getting kind of getting into and, um, it's very easy for me to edit within word, um, because I know how everything works and where it is. So I just mm-hmm. stuck with word. Yeah, I am a firm believer in stick with what is working for you. (laughs) So for me, because I was like, you know, I I was probably like 10, 20,000 words into the book that's, I'm going to say the second book, because the first book got put on pause. So I was writing in Google Docs, but I also had a Google Sheet with all the character and world information in it. And I also had a second Google Doc with all the song titles And I had another, and like part of that Google sheet was like all of the like chapter names with all of the like one, you know, five word thing of what needed to happen in that chapter because of the song and like all of this. It was just a lot of things I was flipping (laughs) between for all of that. So I was like, I need something. And I was talking to an author on here that was like, it sounds like you need Scrivener. And so I did not learn how everything works. I I did pull out their little PDF of how everything works. And then I went, I'm going to spend a lot of time on this. Let's just Google what we need to know and then go from there. So I, if I, like when I wanted to see if I could do the goal, the goal word stuff, um, or word count goals, um, 
I Googled, can Scrivener do <laughs> word count yeah. goals? And it was like, here's how you set that up. So that's kind of what I've done. So I don't use Smart. probably half of the features in it, yeah. but it works. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, I, that's probably what I should have done because I did the exact same thing. I, I got the PDF and I was like, all right, let's learn how this works. And it was so overwhelming that I just was like, eh, never mind, never mind. Well, and the reality is, word. I mean, just like with every software out there ever, most people don't use every single feature. Right. <laughs> so... It's there for, for if you do need it, but for the most part, eh, yeah, it'll probably be fine. Most most people are not going to need that anywhere in their writing. <laughs> so <laughs> important yeah, things yeah. for me, it needed to be backing up to somewhere so that I didn't lose all my work. So that yes. I figured out immediately. And then how to make the chapters and the scenes and all of that was a little bit finicky at first, but now I know how it works. So it, it works. Um, that was probably the hardest thing, the entire thing, yeah. everything else. I've just like Googled, can it do this? And I'm like, no, it can't. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> just keep writing. <laughs> like, <laughs> Or maybe I don't know how to phrase it in Google. All right. Well, I think we are about finished. Okay. You've, you've done, awesome. you've done best and worst advice and all of that. So if you have anything, else you want to to say <laughs> no i mean not really this has been great i love doing this kind of stuff talking about writing and and reading and all of it especially with other authors they there's just something about having a, a group of people that totally get the writing process mm -hmm. um, and discussing that with them because it's it's being a creative is is its challenge in its own right but also having all of it in your head and trying to translate that onto onto paper that someone else would also see in their head mm -hmm. is uh it's hard it's a lot. It's a lot of work, but I always love talking about it. I will tell people I started the podcast selfishly so that I could learn how the process worked from people that have been through it, whether that be querying or basically for the querying process. I just really learned I didn't want to do that from yeah. everybody on here. But the entire I mean, I've had self published. I've had indie publisher published. I've had trad like big five published people on here. And it's just like learning oh, every awesome different facet of like how things work from different perspectives um yeah. many authors <laughs> that put out their first book and never promoted it ever <laughs> had to kind of learn how to do that yeah i mean it's it's basically been a giant like here's a different way to learn how to do something that's not just googling and reading articles yeah. i get to that's actually awesome. like ask questions and talk to authors and I would hope that people that listen to this that are just starting out or trying to figure out how to revamp stuff are going to listen and you know you may learn something your tips and tricks may not work for me but it may work for someone else or right whatever the case may be so it may have started selfishly but <laughs> I've wow, learned something smart. from it so <laughs> yeah that's so cool all right I'm... thank you so much this was awesome thanks for hanging out this was fun you're welcome anytime all right bye Bye. Ty also liked The Emperor's New Clothes by Hans Christian Andersen. Don't forget we're reading Le Mort d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the Round Table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Emperor's New Clothes Many years ago, there was an emperor who was so excessively fond of new clothes that he spent all his money in dress he did not trouble himself in the least about his soldiers, nor did he care to go either to the theater or the chase, except for the opportunities then afforded him for displaying his new clothes. 
They had a different suit for each hour of the day, and as of any other king or emperor, one is accustomed to say, he is sitting in council. It was always said of him, the emperor is sitting in his wardrobe. Time passed merrily in the large town which was his capital. Strangers arrived every day at the court. One day, two rogues, calling themselves weavers, made their appearance. They gave out that they knew how to weave stuffs of the most beautiful colors and elaborate patterns. The clothes manufactured from which should have the wonderful property of remaining invisible to everyone who was unfit for the office he held, or who was extraordinarily simple in character. These must indeed be splendid clothes, thought the emperor. Had I such a suit, I might at once find out what men in my realms are unfit for their office, and also be able to distinguish the wise from the foolish. This stuff must be woven for me immediately. And he caused large sums of money to be given to both the weavers in order that they might begin their work directly. So the two pretended weavers sat up two looms, and affected to work very busily, though in reality they did nothing at all. They asked for the most delicate silk and the purest gold thread, put both into their own knapsacks, and then continued their pretended work at the empty looms until late at night. I should like to know how the weavers are getting on with my cloth, said the emperor to himself, after some little time had elapsed. He was, however, rather embarrassed when he remembered that a simpleton, or one unfit for his office, would be unable to see the manufacture. To be sure, he thought he had nothing to risk in his own person, but yet he would prefer sending somebody else to bring him intelligence about the weavers and their work before he troubled himself in the affair. All the people throughout the city had heard of the wonderful property the cloth was to possess, and all were anxious to learn how wise or how ignorant their neighbors might prove to be. I will send my faithful old minister to the weavers, said the emperor at last after some deliberation. He will be best able to see how the cloth looks, for he is a man of sense, and no one can be more suitable for his office than he is. So the faithful old minister went into the hall, where the knaves were working with all their might at their empty looms. What can be the meaning of this? thought the old man, opening his eyes very wide. I cannot discover the least bit of thread on the looms. However, he did not express his thoughts aloud. The impostors requested him very courteously to be so good as to come nearer their looms, and then asked him whether the design pleased him, and whether the colors were not very beautiful, at the same time pointing to the empty frames. The poor old minister looked and looked. He could not discover anything on the looms for a good reason. There was nothing there. What? thought he again. Is it possible that I am a simpleton? I've never thought so myself, and no one must know it now if I am so. Can it be that I am unfit for my office? No, that must not be said either. I will never confess that I could not see the stuff. Well, sir minister, said one of the knaves, still pretending to work, you do not say whether the stuff pleases you. Oh, it is excellent, replied the old minister, looking at the loom through his spectacles. This pattern and the colors. Yes, I will tell the emperor without delay how very beautiful I think them. We shall be much obliged to you, said the impostors. And then they named the different colors and described the pattern of the pretended stuff. The old minister listened attentively to their words in order that he might repeat them to the emperor. 
and then the knaves asked for more silk and gold, saying that it was necessary to complete what they had begun. However, they put all that was given them into their knapsacks, and continued to work with as much apparent diligence as before at their empty looms. The emperor now sent another officer of his court to see how the men were getting on, and to ascertain whether the cloth would soon be ready. It was just the same with this gentleman as with the minister. He surveyed the looms on all sides, but could see nothing at all but the empty frames. Does not the stuff appear as beautiful to you as it did to my lord the minister? asked the impostors of the emperor's second ambassador, at the same time making the same gestures as before, and talking of the design and colors which were not there. I certainly am not stupid, thought the messenger. It must be that I'm not fit for my good, profitable office. That is very odd, however. No one shall know anything about it. And accordingly, he praised the stuff he could not see and declared that he was delighted with both colors and patterns. Indeed, please your imperial majesty, said he to his sovereign when he returned. The cloth which the weavers are preparing is extraordinarily magnificent. The whole city was talking of the splendid cloth which the emperor had ordered to be woven at his own expense. And now the emperor himself wished to see the costly manufacture, while it was still in the loom. Accompanied by a select number of officers of the court, among whom were the two honest men who had already admired the cloth, he went to the crafty impostors, who as soon as they were aware of the emperor's approach went on working more diligently than ever, although they still did not pass a single thread through the looms. Is not the work absolutely magnificent? said the two officers of the crown already mentioned. If your majesty will only be pleased to look at it, what a splendid design, what glorious colors. And at the same time they pointed to the empty frames, for they imagined that everyone else could see this exquisite piece of workmanship. How is this? said the emperor to himself. I can see nothing. This is indeed a terrible affair. Am I a simpleton, or am I unfit to be an emperor? That would be the worst thing that could happen. Oh, the cloth is charming, said he aloud. It has my complete approbation. And he smiled most graciously, and looked closely at the empty looms, for on no account would he say that he could not see what two of the officers of his court had praised so much. All his retinue now strained their eyes, hoping to discover something on the looms, but they could see no more than the others. Nevertheless, they all exclaimed, oh, how beautiful, and advised his majesty to have some new clothes made from the splendid material for the approaching procession. Magnificent, charming, excellent resounded on all sides, and everyone was uncommonly gay. The emperor shared in the general satisfaction, and presented the impostors with the ribbon of an order of knighthood, to be worn in their buttonholes and the title of gentlemen weavers. The rogues sat up the whole of the night before the day on which the procession was to take place, and had sixteen lights burning so that everyone might see how anxious they were to finish the emperor's new suit. They pretended to roll the cloth off the looms, cut the air with their scissors, and sewed with needles without any threaded them. See, cried they at last, the emperor's new clothes are ready. And now the emperor, with all the grandees of his court, came to the weavers and the rogues raised their arms as if in the act of holding something up, saying, Here are your majesty's trousers. Here is the scarf. Here is the mantle. The whole suit is as light as a cobweb. One might fancy one had nothing on at all, when dressed in it. That, however, is the great virtue of this delicate cloth. Yes, indeed, said all the courtiers. 
although not one of them could see anything of this exquisite manufacture. If your imperial majesty will be graciously pleased to take off your clothes, we will fit on the new suit in front of the looking glass. The emperor was accordingly undressed, and the rogues pretended to array him in his new suit, the emperor turning round from side to side before the looking glass. How splendid his majesty looks in his new clothes and how well they fit, everyone cried out. What a design, what colors, these are indeed royal robes. The canopy which is to be borne over your majesty in the procession is waiting, announced the chief master of the ceremonies. I am quite ready, answered the emperor. Do my new clothes fit well? asked he turning himself round again before the looking-glass, in order that he might appear to be examining his handsome suit. The lords of the bedchamber, who were to carry his majesty's train, felt about on the ground as if they were lifting up the ends of the mantle, and pretended to be carrying something, for they would by no means betray anything like simplicity or unfitness for their office. So now the emperor walked under his high canopy in the midst of the procession, through the streets of his capital, and all the people standing by and those at the windows cried out, Oh, how beautiful are our emperor's new clothes. What a magnificent train there is to the mantle, and how gracefully the scarf hangs. In short, no one would allow that he could not see these much-admired clothes, because in doing so he would have declared himself either a simpleton or unfit for his office. Certainly none of the emperor's various suits had ever made so great an impression as these invisible ones. But the emperor has nothing at all on, said a little child. Listen to the voice of the innocents, exclaimed his father, and what the child had said was whispered from one to another. But he has nothing at all on, at last cried out all the people. The emperor was vexed, for he knew that the people were right, but he thought the procession must go on now. And the lords of the bedchamber took greater pains than ever to appear holding up a train, although in reality, there was no train to hold. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for Alexia's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear one of her favorite fairy tales.